Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm only human after all. Finger out. Uh, Emery out. I'm not sure whether I want Arteta out because I just hate Bellerin and I hate the players and I hate Ozil and I can't get my head around it. This is my impression. I'm DT and uh, yeah, no, because Arsenal found TV's blown up over the last few days. I thought I'll make an appearance here because they're, you know, one of the, one of the most up and coming uh, podcasts in the world. So yeah, hello. That was a terrible impression of DT and like DT, it was a lot of words. Well, I'm not actually saying anything. I'd like to welcome my co-host as well, Harry. How's your week been, Harry? Uh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, results have been great for Arsenal still. I think we, had the, we haven't had a win since the first podcast we did. So, um, wow. Still, wow. Still, I know. I know. It's a little stat, statistic for the viewers. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise not too bad apart from that, mate. I'll tell you what, the fixtures are coming. I'll tell me how. The, the, the fixtures are coming uh, fast, they come furiously. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It, it's, this is the point where everyone complains and says, "Oh, it's going to get difficult for the uh, the players through this period." I don't care at the moment. I'll be honest with you, because we keep losing games. The fact that every three days is sort of a blessing in disguise, because <laughs> you can sort of you you can try and quickly get over it. I mean, we're not doing that at the moment, but it's not the worst thing in the world when you have loads of games, you know, quickly together. It's quite hard to lose all of them, although we've been doing a pretty good job at it so far. So the first game we'll talk about, which um, I'm sure Tottenham fans will love, is the Tottenham v Leicester game. I mean, you beat Stoke tonight, but it's Stoke. Um, Who cares? So, yes, this has put a, a dent in what Tottenham fans would say was their title hopes and title credentials. This was their year. It's a Quite bad week for them. Bad week for um, and it just shows, you know, I, I said I said they should calm down a few weeks ago, and I was right. So enjoy fourth or fifth. Actually, can uh, that's, a bit, that's a bit premature to say. Can they get? Can they not get Champions League? But uh, yeah, what do you make of the game? They're out. They're outside of the Champions League spot. Yeah, didn't shot me. Sixth. Uh, yeah, bad week for Tottenham. Bad. I mean, I loved every minute of it. Um. <laughs> I mean, look, it, I, I don't want to say, you know, we told you so, but if you've watched Tottenham this season in the approach, I know it, part of it will be distorted by the fact they've had a lot of big games recently, so we know how Mourinho obviously sets up and approaches them. But at the same time, I think the way that they've been playing, it requires a very sort of specific way for the game to go, which is that Tottenham, you know, one of their two world-class frontline players uh, takes, you know, one of the half chances they create early in the game. And then they get into their defensive structure and they protect the lead. Unfortunately, what they found in Leicester was a team that was just as willing to go there and do exactly the same, where they would, you know, get their one or two chances in the game take them and then protect that and that's exactly how it went down and Tottenham still have individuals particularly at the back in Aurea and a couple of others that are in there that are prone to making mistakes so the problem is when you when you rely on a game plan which is entirely focused on taking the lead and protecting it it's really difficult to 
have that game plan work every week when you've got players like Aurier giving away penalties like he did. And it's not the first time he's done it either. Um, I also thought Sissoko was horrific. And I thought that kind of demonstrates, you know, Sissoko's not a... He's not. He's not. He's a square peg in a square hole. You know, I think someone like Hoiberg is similar, but you could say he's at least... He plays a bit deeper and he's a bit more... I think he's a bit more defensively aware than Sissoko. Sissoko's a bit of a... How do I describe him as a player? He, he does a job in certain games, right? He runs around a lot. He he has the uh, physical attributes to be a centre midfielder in, in the Premier League in you know, this day and age. But when you're in a game like that, where Leicester came and sat deep and basically ne- it was a game where neither team wanted the ball. Yeah. They wanted to play in transition. And someone like Sissoko against the team that's sitting deep just, just offers absolutely nothing. See, I don't get I, why... So they flipped... Uh, they started with this. Did they start with the four-three-three and then flipped to the four-two-three-one because they, at the end of the game they had Lacelso on the right and Dumbelli in the ten mile, and I was just like, that should be your midfield too. Uh, a, a it definitely with, could be. And a pairing with Dumbelli and Lacelso with uh, a creative player in front of that's Dali Ali or uh, they've got lots of. Options I think there. I, I think you have to play one of um, you have to play one of Hoiberg or Sissoko in okay. in, in midfield against Leicester. They're going to sit deep. I think they're going to counter attack though. So you what you want someone sitting on your back four to kind of prevent that. I understand what you're saying, that you, you'll have a lot of the ball, so you need creative players to create opportunities to score. But I think ideally what you'd have is one sitter and then two that play further on. Unfortunately, what Tottenham had was two sitters in Sissoko and Hoiberg, and then one that played further on in, I don't know if it was Underbelly or Lacelso. I can't yeah. remember who started but, um, the game. It would have been one of those two. Um, I, I, but I can kind of see Lacelso just, just uh, intercepting and uh, breaking those counters counter very well and if you play out someone like Doherty on the right hand side instead of Aurier then you've got someone that can be a bit more defensively minded especially if they're going to try and counter through Barnes Madison and I still th- I still think um, I still think Doherty is a he's an attacking right back he's always played his his football in a back three before he's come to Tottenham um, and I think he struggled to adapt playing in a back four when he has been in the team. And I think that's why they've gone back to Warrior. So I'm not necessarily convinced that Tottenham at this stage with the defenders they've got could expose them to uh, counter-attacks against a team like Leicester with, with someone like Jamie Vardy. I don't know. I feel like I think the issue there is that they've got Jose and he's not really smart enough to build a system that can that can press high win the bot no they don't they don't press high they don't it was exactly the same it reminded me a bit of the um everton game on the opening day of the season that they had where uh here's a question for you if if it was someone like a a nagelsman or tuchel that played a really high pressing system do you think you could see them play just a two just just, and dombele and the celso as a two and then someone more attacking in front because they're like like uh i'm trying to think someone like man city where they press really high so it kind of means all they need. But Man City, Man City, when they did it at the best, had a, had Fernandinho at the yeah. shield of it, and then obviously they played people like Silva and De Bruyne and uh, Gundogan in midfield, where they're they're you know they 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 go a bit more they're more sort of forward thinking number eights than they are you know defensive minded number sixes. I I take your point. I think there is a balance to be struck. I think unfortunately, as you said, the way Jose Mourinho sets up his teams to play pragmatically in a game like that and most others this season I just don't think at this stage that it's possible for them to play without one of Sissoko or Hoiberg if it were me I'd you know you'd probably rather see Hoiberg I think he's better as a 
kind of disruptor than than Sissoko is. Um, but I nothing about it really surprised me that much. You know, had the game gone the other way and Tottenham won two 0 with Kane scoring a penalty and then you know getting a getting a goal on the break with Son or someone like that in the second half, like uh, Leicester did with the with the own goal. It, you know, it's one of those games. It's kind of like it's whoever gets the first goal is gonna control that game from that from that point uh, from there on in um and i thought, okay here's a question for you about Kane. yeah yeah can, go for it can he break the assist record we have this conversation every year he's on 10 Kane so... breaker he's on 10 if you look at it i don't know what his expected assist is but obviously tottenham someone like son's massively overperformed his xg it's and he's assisted son a lot so it's one of those where yeah. okay he's got 10 and he's been playing really well as a sort of deeper lying forward which i'm going to ask you a question on in a second but is it sustainable? Is he going to carry on? I remember the season when Oza was on something like 16 or 17 assists by Christmas, like this time this year. Uh, obviously, he played a few more games, but it doesn't always work. And, you know, he should have gone on and got 34 assists that season. He obviously didn't. And with Kane, he's obviously on 10. And they've been converting at really, really impressive rates. So, so expected, I'm not sure he'll carry on. Expected assists has him at 4.34 total. For the yeah, there you go. So, there you go. Uh, but I don't know. On him, on Kane, because they, they were talking about it on Super Sunday, and I sort of found myself agreeing. It's their Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Phil Hasbank on there. And he was saying he doesn't really like Kane playing in this deeper role, even though he's been effective in terms of when the ball gets played to him, he's a really good kind of fulcrum for it all. He can hold the ball up, he can turn, and he can feed the wide players. And But do you not want him higher up the pitch? If it were you, he's your best finisher. He's your best like presence when the ball's going to get put into the box. Do you not want him playing 10, 15 yards higher up the pitch of his average position so that he's in the position to, if they do create chances, they're falling to him and they're not falling to other players rather than him necessarily being the you know, provider of, of counter-attacks or the one that's starting them off rather than being in there and finishing them himself? So I'm fine with that if you've if you're in playing like on, on the last man, if you've got Ali... Uh, Deli Ali, if you it's Pete, you got Ericsson, you got Son yeah. behind him, but you can't yeah. you can't expect that midfield to create. No, I agree. So, okay. so that's why I think he's good. That's a good point actually about Deli Ali because at his best, you're absolutely right. He would he'd run beyond the striker. Yeah, like so that season, the sixteen seventeen season, he got something like twenty goals, and it, and it was all from him, you know, playing as he wasn't he wasn't strictly speaking playing as a striker, but. At the best of times, it would be, as you said, like getting into the box and, and getting on the end of things. It wouldn't be him playing as a traditional number 10. Unfortunately, Jose's made it pretty clear that he's not part of his you know, plans at the moment. Whether he can force his way back in, I'm, I don't know whether there's too much water under the bridge, but I, I agree at the moment. You look at it and you're thinking, Kane gets the ball. Who's he going to feed it to? Okay, Son is a really good finisher. That's fine. Who else? Who else is getting into the yeah, box on the end of things? It's Bergwijn. Bergwijn, you know, he looks he looks an honest player and he does a job in that system where he does a lot of defensive work, which it's hard to ask a player to do that. It'd be interesting how they react to this Tottenham because we were saying it a few weeks ago. It's all good when you're winning games. They'll buy into this because results ultimately are the most important thing for a player's morale. But the second you stop winning games, which they have done this week... And you're being asked to, you know, cover 10 to 15 kilometres in a game running backwards. Um, and you're not really getting the chance to score as a forward player. Like, But to take Bogon for example, 
are you really going to want to play as sort of like an auxiliary right wing back as he's been asked to do at various points for much longer if the results don't improve? And I'm not saying they definitely won't, but would you as a player be more inclined to, I'm not going to say down tools, but lose faith in what you're trying to do if ultimately it's not as exciting, it's not as, it's not as forward thinking as if you're playing high up the pitch and you're pressing and you're being really aggressive in the way you approach the game. I think, uh, so this is the classic Jose second, third season goes to shit. I think that'll happen uh, in September next year when they haven't won anything. Mm. And I think that'll be the difference this year. Isn't yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's outdated and his, ta- and his idea of winning because of how competitive the Premier League is is a bit outdated. Mm. He will... The players will go. The players will go. Uh, that, yeah, you can see why he's a three-year manager. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that if they lose their next couple of games, this is going to happen. I was talking, you know, more like longer term, like you said, next season. It would be really interesting to see what happens there. But I, I'm just looking at it at the moment and I'm thinking something has to change in the way they're approaching these games because everyone knows by now what they will do. And when you get a manager like Rogers is a good manager. He's a, he's a smart guy and they've played the same way in some of these games this season. So I think Tottenham knew what was going to happen. I think Jose just expected them to convert, you know, at the rate that they have been, that they would take one of the chances that fell to them in the game and they'd be able to protect it and get Leicester out of their comfort zone. Unfortunately, it didn't happen like that. And, it was all a bit predictable. And I think if you're trying to win a league, which, you know, Tottenham have been... I don't think they'll win it. I said I didn't think they'd win it a couple of weeks ago. And I stand by that. But if people were talking about them in terms of trying to challenge for a Premier League title, you can't be as predictable as they are. I don't really see a transition to a different way of playing in a game like that. And uh, as I was alluding to earlier, like they played Everton on the first day of the season and everyone kind of ripped that game off as, oh, well, you know, the players weren't fit and, and that's what it was. But Everton scored in the 55th minute and I don't remember Tottenham having a significant opening after that point. Yeah, it, it was almost just like, wait for them to make a mistake and we've got good players that will take any half chances that fall to them, you know? I often wonder if the Tottenham field at the start of the season was that a bit after the documentary as well. I think that helped a lot in them just like the club atmosphere. It might have done. You, you like don't know what goes on behind the scenes with, with, with stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, moving on to Leicester, I thought that you can see they're missing, they were missing key players. And someone like Madison has really come back and hit the ground running. Mm, definitely. But I think that also demonstrates how much they need Vardy, if you know what I mean. Because I think it also demonstrated the importance of someone like Ndidi. Yeah. He, he yeah. just quietly is so, so good. Yeah, so good. Like he's been such a good signing for them. Obviously, when you get rid of someone like Kante, it's a really tough mantle to come in and take up. But he's he's such an impressive operator. The way he gets around and just he's everywhere for them. How and much? He, I thought he was really, really good in the game. How much does Indeed cost in this market? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Like with, with a COVID impacted market, you're not quite sure where the value of players is at the moment, but. Yeah. Leicester aren't inclined to sell him for, for anything at the moment. Honestly, yeah. if someone said tomorrow I want to buy Ndidi, one hundred twenty. I, 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 like... I wouldn't. I, I, it sounds ridiculous, obviously, because no one's going to pay that. But like you, you would be saying, you know, if we don't want to sell him, the player's happy here. He he likes playing for this manager. He can see what we're building towards. So if you want to take him off us, that's fine. But you're going to be paying a really really extortionate transfer fee, and it yeah. might be in the case of three figures. I. See, what I think is interesting about Leicester is they're more willing to buy because they back themselves to sign properly. 
Like the the so like Maguire, eighty mil is a lot. They could they could have stayed out and got a hundred, but they were just like, okay, it's fine. We'll sell him on. Get Sionchu in. Get Sionchu in, or we'll sell Chilwell on. Get Castagna in. Uh, mm. Justin's progressing really well. Justin had a cracker of a game. Two dribbles, three tackles, two key passes up and down the pitch. Yeah, he's 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 providing good cover for Pereira after who's injured again. By yeah, the way. So, and he, again he's injured and he's a big player and a really underrated player. And I think that just demonstrates how Leicester's starting eleven's probably up there. But the issue is, there's that it is the, it's the squad, isn't it? Yeah. It's the squad, and it's kind of when they like, like they, you know, they have a loss to Everton in the week, and you know, was it a case of half their minds were on the game against Tottenham, and they've just had a really good win against Brighton? I don't know how many changes they made to the squad, but I agree with that. At the back end of last season, when their resources were a bit, you know, exhausted yeah. in terms of injuries to key players, they really struggled to win games. But I think when everyone's fit and firing, they're they're as good as anyone in this well, league. I don't mind that. If, if Leicester are looking at it and going, okay, our plan is to stay, try and get some European football, try and generate revenue through that, try and sell yeah. players on with uh, the idea of buying cheaper ones, and from there, over time, we'll get a deeper squad, and then we can start to challenge. Definitely, but, then that's it's not, a good model. It's, a, it's, it, it, it's just you know, smart thinking. It and is, it yeah. is. And I, I also think you're better having a squad like them than you are someone like Arsenal, for example, where it's a really bloated squad in certain areas. And no, like obviously no one's particularly, you know, we don't have, you know, we have depth, but we don't really have depth because they aren't that good. But you're better, I think the best Premier League squads have always been squads that are small, but very, very talented. If you think of Liverpool, for example, the, the year they won the Champions League, they didn't have great like depth off the bench. But they just had a really, really solid yeah. foundation that, you know, everyone knew that the, the job they were doing in the team and you could sort of rotate a couple of players here and there every week. But you don't want a huge squad because it's difficult to keep players happy, I think, as well. I'd also, I'd also say they've got a right bar Vardy. They've got a really good age profile compared to someone like Everton, where if it doesn't work this season, all of a sudden the year looks shit. And yeah, and they've got, yeah I agree and, with that. And their players tw- agree with 29 that. to 30. And are still on big wages and on couple year contracts. Yeah, they, uh, you, yeah, I agree with that. And and the, you mentioned probably the biggest challenge Leicester are going to have, which is replacing someone like Vardy. And I don't see any indication yet. Obviously, he's still performing really well for them. So it's not a case of they need to be thinking about it in the immediate term. But I don't see a contingency plan just yet for it. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go about it. It might be that the next one of these players that they sell on for big money, because there will be one of them soon. I, I have no doubt. Um, it might be that part of that kind of rebuilding job goes into finding, at the time, what will probably be competition and eventually a replacement for Jamie Vardy because it's not going to be an easy job for them. Uh, I'd like to see how they see Iheanacho and where he, where he, because I think that was their image. They signed him for twenty-five million. For yeah, I just don't think he's. He, he, I don't think he's been. He's not been awful. He gets the odd goal for them, and and I think he's a decent backup. I think he's probably a good kid. Works hard. Doesn't you know raise up a fuss about not playing ahead of Vardy every week. They can play him in a front two. Um, Comes off the bench, right for struggling. Yeah, I just don't think he's a different player, isn't he? He kind of gets on the end of stuff. He's not. He's not going to do the stuff Vardy does, where he runs the channels and he's just an absolute pest to play against. He's a bit of a different player, uh, Ian Acho. Yeah, the issue is we are probably trying. That is probably one of the hardest replacements in the Premier League. It right definitely now. is. He definitely is. Him and I mean, I, I know from yeah. personal experience, like obviously we we re-signed Aubameyang and Aubameyang and Vardy. I'm not comparing him to because I think Vardy's a, a better, more proven player in the league. But I think part of the reason we re-signed Aubameyang because the prospect of replacing him at the time was really daunting. Yeah. Like there isn't. I, I think it's really difficult to replace someone that 
will reliably score you 20 goals a season, which Vardy does for them. And Aubameyang was doing for us at the time. And at the moment, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, OK, there are people that are paid to do this job a lot more than, than I am when I'm just looking at it as a fan. But I don't see an obvious alternative. It's really difficult. I mean, there's a reason these strikers get paid the most money. It's because it's the fucking hardest job on the pitch in terms I... of, like, you have to deliver the results of the team. I remember when Harlan was at Salzburg and he got a hat-trick in the Champions League. He got, like, was it 20 goals in 10 games or something mad for Salzburg? And then all yeah. of a sudden the... Um, uh, like, uh, sorry, Dortmund get him for 25 million, I think it is, or 30 million, Man United were linked to... That's the kind of player I think Leicester... That's that's the guy you go to. And then mm. you... And then you, you see the Carabao Cup draw, by the way. Uh, who, who Brentford got? Man City. Brentford got Tottenham. Oh, we got a chance. Brentford against Jose. I, got, I don't oh. know who's at home, actually. I've just seen it. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, what were you saying about Haaland? Uh, he, he's the kind of player I, I would have backed Leicester to go and get, but they decided not to. Uh, this, I'm trying to think who I'd get. Uh, Daniel Milan at uh, PSV. He looks really good. Um, I think that's the sort of signing Leicester could make, whereas Arsenal at the time, I just don't think. Good. I think yeah. it's difficult. Leicester's a really good club to manage at the moment, I think. Obviously, I'm not a Leicester fan, so I can't speak from personal fans' perspective. But the way I perceive it from afar is it's a really, really good job because you've got a good squad. Uh, they're improving the facilities. They've got they've got a new stadium, I think, coming, or an extension to the stadium I was reading about. They've upgraded the training facilities. Um, and I think the expectations of the job, I know they won a Premier League title, but I don't think their fans expect them to be winning league titles and, you know, getting into the Champions League every season. Whereas I compare it to something like Arsenal, where it's the exact opposite. The squad's poor, the morale's poor. There's a lot of problems at various different levels at the club. And it's a really, really difficult job. And in terms of the recruitment side of it, I think they can take these calculated risks on on younger players with, you know, potentially higher ups upsides to them in terms of their potential, their resale value, where I don't think Arsenal could. If Arsenal got rid of Aubameyang and signed uh, Malin from PSV, I'd, I'm imagining the fan base would go into meltdown. Yeah. Whereas I think if Leicester signed him to replace Vardy, I think there would be much more kind of understanding towards it. Yeah, I think that just comes from trusted recruitment over time, though. It, it, that that is part of it as well. I think if we if if we had a reliable um, scouting department that had consistently you know recruited on uh, recruited well on a consistent basis, I think you could look and say, look, they've done this in the past. They've signed this player who's come in, and you weren't quite sure about him at first, but gradually he's been phased in, and he's turned out to be a really really good talent. But they just don't have that credibility in the bank at yeah. the moment. Um, but it's going to be interesting with Leicester. But I think that. You know, there's no reason that they can't push for Champions League football this season. I don't think. You know, you, you, you throw them in the mix. Obviously, you know, the, the Manchester clubs, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool are going to be in there. It could be exciting. But, the, you know, the, it could be exciting. It could be really exciting. And, the, uh, you know, the, the most depressing part about Leicester is you kind of feel like they're gradually phasing Arsenal out of that top six discussion. And it's all because they're doing things well off the pitch. Yeah. And results will come on the pitch with that. So, I think if I'm a Leicester fan at the moment, you know, they've been a bit patchy. They've lost games at home. Their home form needs to pick up for them to challenge for top four because you I can't bet. keep relying on beating these big teams away from home. I bet you it's infuriating being a Leicester fan. It would be, wouldn't it? Some of the games they've lost at home. <laughs> yeah, like the Fulham 1. Yeah, lost to Fulham, lost 3-0 to West Ham, yeah. uh, losing to Everton, who I, I think they're definitely better than. 
losing to Villa. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, you'd be, you'd be, it's the highest, the highest, and the lowest, the lowest. You'd be grinding your head out thinking we could be. You would be. You could, we you could be, be three points clear at the top here, but yeah, no. You could be, yeah. But then again, I mean, they've won three or four really good away games, so. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> They're going well. They're in a good position, Leicester. I think if I'm a Leicester fan, um, I'm, I'm content. So the other game we're going to talk about is Man United v Leeds, and the first question and the question that's come up this weekend, maybe because they can see six, can Leeds get relegated? Yeah, uh, that wasn't me replying to that. I was saying about the question. I think the way I was looking at it is, I think they will have enough games like the one against Newcastle where they beat them 5-2 and they were just really, really too good going forwards for their opposition to be safe. They will beat enough teams this season. I think they're going to be on the end of a few thrashings like they were on Sunday, just because of the way they play. But if you're Marcelo Bielsa and you've come into a what was you know a mid-table championship side and you've revolutionised the way they play, you've got them into the playoffs and then got them promoted the next season and you've now got them competing. You know, I know they're a bit leaky. Like they've got the highest expected goals against in the league. Um, but you've got them competing with sides that you wouldn't have been dreamy of competing with a couple of seasons ago. And I ultimately look at it as why would he change his philosophies? I, I, I understand the argument that you could maybe adjust for certain games, but if you're him, you've just beaten Newcastle 5-2 in midweek. You know, you're getting enough good results the way you're, they're playing. They're really exciting to watch. And I think that they will beat enough teams doing what they're doing at the moment to stay in the Premier League. They and have, then it's about trying to get players in that can do what you're doing, but better and be more the, secure. They also have the third highest expected goals this season. That's, that, that's what I mean, Rob. Yeah. If you're a Leicester fan, I mean, uh, not a Leicester one, if you're a Leeds fan, I think you're excited. I don't think you're wanting to change the way you're playing. I really don't. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay. You'd much rather be doing what they're doing than what Arsenal are doing, for example, or what any of the other relegation candidates are doing, where it's essentially, right, we're going to sit back, we're going to be, we're going to try and be tight, and we're going to try and win games by a goal. No, fuck that. Let's be aggressive. Let's, let's be on the front foot. You watch relegation teams. I know they concede a lot of goals, but often they go down because they don't score enough either. And with Leeds, I do not feel like that's going to be a and problem in the slightest. And they're missing they're missing the two main centre backs that they brought. Lorenzo and that's and the Carl. thing, isn't it? And yeah, you look at that league and go, I mean, West. There's definitely three worse teams than Leeds. Well, I mean, Sheffield and West Brom, unless Allardyce turns it around, are basically down. And then it's between yeah. Fulham, Brighton, Burnley, Fulham, Burnley, Arsenal. Brighton, and Arsenal. And I'd look at all them teams and go, Leeds are better than all of them, maybe. maybe I think Leeds well. are also better than Newcastle. They're Crystal probably Palace. better than Crystal Palace, even maybe though Palace Wolves. beat them. Maybe even Wolves. Yeah, they're playing better football than Wolves. You know, it's like, I, you know, I, I guess I've not really answered the question in terms of, I, I definitely don't think they'll go down uh, because of the way they're playing. And I also think if you're a Leeds fan, you, you want them to keep playing the way they're playing. Believe in the process. It's got you to where you are. Yeah. Would be my I, take on it from afar. I actually don't think it's Leeds fans that are calling for. Oh no! No, I don't think it, it is. I not not from else. some of the stuff I've read from Leeds fans. I think it's exactly that. It's people from afar going, "Oh, how can you be so naive? Go and play against Man United, a team that are good in transition, and go man to man." I just think it's the way they play. It's the way they play. It's their it's their way of getting results. And I know, in hindsight, it was probably suicidal. It probably was. It was one of those where I said I said last week. I'm pretty sure that I thought United would win because they're. They're obviously good in transition, but they're not entirely press resistant. You can see why Leeds tried to do it because they do have players that, while they can carry the ball 
and a good dribblers, they sometimes can get caught in possession, you know, due to lapses of concentration. Sometimes a bit of technical insecurity with the likes of Fred and McTominay and the fullbacks. So I understand why they did it. I do understand why they did it. It's easy to say in hindsight that they got it wrong. They did get it wrong. They did get it wrong. Man United were really good on the day. And ultimately, they, they were on the end of a heavy defeat. But, you know, I, I would not, under any circumstances, be inclined to tell them that they've got to change the way they're playing. Yeah. And I think people that people that are saying that haven't watched them enough. Yeah. And I also just think they're a bit... They've seen the 6-2 and gone, shit, something needs to change. When it, in fact, teams, teams lose five, six, seven goals all the time. I think fans and, and owners actually get a bit more panicked when it's like a 7-0 loss to a 1-0 loss like Crystal Palace. Just just think of it as a 1-0 and move on. It's a freak result, but you've missed out on three points and you go again. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it, is, just, it, it is just three points at the end of the day. That's what you missed out on. It's, it's like a last-minute yeah. bullshit VAR where you get a goal mm. against you. On the, yeah. other, on the other side of that game, there was a Man United team that's generating a bit of interest. I mean, it is. It is a good week for them, actually. I mean, it, the, the start of it, obviously, there was the Man City game, and you're looking at it, and they, and they, Man United in that game were more than happy to take a point. I think they needed to sort of steady the ship after the Leipzig result. Um, and I said it last week, and I'll stand by it. Like every time these players need to get a result for Oli, they do. So they're clearly with it. I've never questioned whether the players are with the manager. I, I, I don't think that's the consideration. My, my concern has always been whether he is astute enough to get the best out of the group he's got at his disposal it's a good week for them and and it's one of those where you look back and think do you know what keeping a clean sheet against a rival that are below us in the table obviously they can hit anyone for, for goals man city on the day i know they've not been at the best this season but if it clicks for them they can easily take a team apart i've seen it countless times myself firsthand so i think it was one of those where you go do you know what we're going to be solid in our structure. We've beaten them this way before. We might not win the game, but we cannot lose it. And then yeah. we've got two really winnable games after it. And suddenly we're third in the league with a game in hand to go second. So it's a really good week for them. My Thanks. question to you, good. because I know you're more enthusiastic about them than perhaps I am. Have we learned anything new? No. So in their results Nothing. and performances, is there anything in what they've done that is different from what we've seen. I think the one difference is they're, they're just in a bit of form right now. That's the difference. I think Bruno... We've seen it before that, haven't we? We've Bruno... seen it when they, you know, the end yeah. of last season, they didn't lose a game after Bruno came in in the league. Um, they've, Bruno... got the be- they've got the second best record since he's come in as Bruno well. Amaz- Bruno is he's a good, He's a really amazing. good player. No, like, he is. He is an excellent player. He's, he's, he's doing as many key passes as Kevin De Bruyne right now. He's taking as many shots as, he's taking as, many shots as Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's, he just... He, he just gets contributions so you watch players sometimes and i've watched countless numbers of players for arsenal arsenal over the years where they're really good technical players but their end product is absolutely nothing and he's the opposite not not that he's a poor technical player he's very technically secure although he can on occasion give the ball away very cheaply but what you get from bruno is guaranteed end product he's delivering a goal or assist per game basis a ratio he's so good like He's so he's just he's just turned up and he's just like okay mm. I'm gonna I'm just gonna be the starving light for this football club and it's and it's yeah. going really well and I think I saw I saw I can't remember what I saw it was basically the idea that Man United start setting traps in when a team comes at them so they'll they'll like they'll like he- press the ball heavy they'll expect the press they'll 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 pass it and then that'll break that and then that'll break them down so that means that like 
as the other team triggers that press, they expect it, they trigger it, and then Man United are one step ahead, like chess almost. And mm. I think it's impressive. I think, you know, I, the one thing I think I like Oli so much is that I feel like if he was called Allegri, everyone would just give him a bit more time. I think that's they always I'm... do, though. There is that snobbery in football. I read an article on it earlier, actually. It was, it was along the different lines, but it was talking about when a young coach comes in, there's always this idea that, you know, they've got refreshing, tactical, tactically innovative ideas. And even if you get a situation where the football's stale and it's a bit turgid, you're inclined to give them more time. Whereas if it's someone experienced that comes in and they start doing that, it's, oh, they're a dinosaur, you know, they're past yeah. it, they're, they're stale, they're over the hill. And this is, a, this is exactly the opposite sort of example where you're talking about the fact that what he's doing on paper tactically is quite astute. But because he's perceived in a certain way, because of who he's managed before, he perhaps doesn't get the um, credit. I also, for it. I also but, think the way he looks, the way he speaks. I think the way he speaks is a really interesting point because I, when I compare that to someone like Arteta at the moment, he looks flustered when he's getting asked questions, Arteta. And it, obviously it's very different because we're playing a lot worse than they are. But what I think Oli has done well at various points, even though it might frustrate some people, is he's quite level. So when they lose a game, you know, very rarely do you see him getting rattled in press conferences, yeah. rattled in interviews. You know, there was an instance the other day when Arteta refused to answer a question about, you know, crosses and creativity. And he sort of he got quite defensive about it. And when I think of someone like Solskjaer, for all his, you know, perceived faults, I've never seen him kind of loses rag like that. The only instance I can think of is the game a couple of Luke seasons Shaw. ago when he was interim oh, where no. they lost to Everton 4-0 and he, there was an there was an interview after the game and he basically said, look, I'm going to be successful here and some, a lot of these players aren't going to be here with me. Yeah. But I think that's slightly different in the fact that he was, I don't know if he was interim at the time where he'd just been made manager. He might have just been made manager, but he's in, he's early in the job and he's kind of figuring out who he can move on and I th I'm impressed with his demeanour at the moment I, I do think when I look at those two games Sheffield United and Leeds there's two big question marks over Manchester United for me one is can they win games against opponents that sit deep in deep blocks I think they've got a lot more options than they did this time last year with the likes of Bruno uh, Pogba's fit now even though you know the sort of stuff rumbling on off the pitch with his agent they brought Cavani in they've got Van der Beek um They've like got more unit. options. Uh, Rashford's back. Martial and Rashford were a bit injury-prone last yeah. season. They've got more options than they had this time last year when you had the likes of Lingard and Pereira getting regular game time. And J James was starting, yeah. And James was starting. However, I still think there's a question mark because I, I haven't seen them control a game and pin a team in like that on a consistent basis. It might come. They've got more options. The second thing is... They've scored nine goals in the last two games against two teams that, you know, they should be scoring a lot of goals against, but they've still conceded four. And for me, there are defensive question marks about them. They make individual poor errors. You think of the Dean Henderson one against Sheffield United, just playing out from the back and losing it. Even the second goal they scored, I don't really know what he was doing there, to be honest. And then they concede a couple of set-piece goals. And I think, look it's really easy to look past those when you win the games as they did. And they were very comfortable in the Leeds game and the Sheffield United game, they were a lot more comfortable in than probably the scoreline suggested. But if the fine margins don't go for you, I mean, the Sheffield United game, if they don't take three points from that, you're absolutely kicking yourself. And there's only one place you can divert the blame for that. 
The Leeds game's a bit different because, you know, Leeds have got nothing to lose and they're an attacking team. You could probably concede two goals to them. But even then, they've conceded four goals in those two games. And I'm still not convinced that the back line, when put under significant pressure, is good enough to withstand it. Fair enough. I... I don't think it's the bat line though. I think it's the player. I think it's the player in front of the bat line. Even the okay. So I mean, if you want to let's, let's call it that, the defensive yeah. structure, the defensive yeah. shape. Yeah. When I, they have men behind the ball, it, you can apportion blame where you want to. That that's fine. I don't I, look. I'm not massively enamoured with their centre midfielders either. But what I would ask you is, you know, do you trust that? I know they did last season to to an extent. But it, look at this season. Just assess it on this season alone. Do you trust them to keep clean sheets on a consistent basis? Uh, while trying to be proactive in games, uh, no, I don't. But I don't. I think they're closer than people think. I think they're a really good DM, and maybe an upgrade on Shaw or Tello, uh, Tello, yeah. sorry, uh, a left back yeah, yeah. away, yeah. and maybe an upgrade on Lindelof. It's a good a point. Player. It's a good point. It is a good point because I would agree with that in the sense that they are probably closer than people think because I thought they were a million miles off where they would be, or where they are now this time last year, before they got Bruno in. Yeah. I did not think when they brought Bruno in, it would kind of transform their attacking fortunes to the extent it has done, where they look a really, really dangerous team with options. We didn't even mention someone like Mason Greenwood in their attacking options yeah. as well, coming through. So, they, they, you know, you, you might be right. It might be a case if they get a really good number six or even a really good centre-half or a good left, but I, I don't know. It's weird. They've brought Tellers in, he doesn't very good to me. I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but yeah, no, it just looks bang average. Twenty-seven. That's what. That's the part that yeah, I, But um, um, but yeah, they. I I think you make a good point. I think they are probably closer than people think. Whether that's you know on the level of Liverpool, I don't think so. But they, you know, they could be the best of the rest. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. It's fine to be best of the rest, Man United fans. But um, they just have to get closer. They have to go from what was it, 66, 67 points last season to high 70s even early yeah. 80s because that that's a sign of progress winning more games over a season i think i'd also say going back to the position thing it's very difficult to find a really good center back right now just in the market in general yeah i mean so, that could be, we're, we're probably going to be looking next summer and i god knows maybe maybe in a pamacano at leipzig but what i mean is it's much easier to find a dm um yeah so yes that was a lot that was a lot of football <laughs> it was a lot uh, of football and we can move on to the predictions now yeah. We have to do the same that we did last week of if we, neither of us get it right, the guest gets it right. But last week, the guest won, which is quite embarrassing. I so, think we should spin it off then. <laughs> it was three to us each and the guest got four. Without oh, being it. Um, so, but there, there was one point where we both said, yeah, the, the Man United Leeds game is going to be an absolute smacker. It's going to be like, yeah, I think you predicted a 3-3 and I said there's going to be loads of goals. And there was, which is great. Yeah. Uh, oh, and there's a cracker on first. Saturday. Midday, Boxing Day. Cracker. 12th love it. Leicester, Man United. Yeah, we've spoken a lot about both teams and it's going to be really interesting. Le- Leicester Le- at home? Man yeah, United see, I was, that's what I was going to say. I think I would have more confidence in Leicester to play the way they did against Tottenham and frustrate Manchester United if they were the way team. I think being the home team, obviously there aren't fans in the stadium, but there is more onus on them, I think, to seize the initiative and take the game to Man United, which could well prove to be their downfall. I'm just looking at both of these teams' home and away record and thinking it's always... That's better. what I was going to say. Man United's away record is really good. It's Leicester's 100%. home record's patchy. The only thing I would say is, 
Man United can't keep going 1-0 down in away games. They did it again to Sheffield yeah. United. There's every single away game this season. They've gone 1-0 down in a one. And while that's, it's kind of really impressive, uh, you know, a really impressive show of resilience. And obviously they're scoring a lot of goals away from home. It, I don't think it's sustainable over a season. I could, look, I could be wrong, but I think eventually they're going to come a cropper if they keep going 1-0 down in games. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say a Manchester United win. So am I. Yeah. Because I just, the form book, you never ignore the form book as a, a, a guy with a gambling problem just once told me. Um, anyway, Villa v Crystal Palace. Uh, on BBC Sport, which is good to see. Um, I fill a win. Crystal Palace. Are those I hope so. I got three. I, I think this is the last week I'm going to keep all the Villa players in my team before <laughs> I'm going to pull the plug because they, they've had quite an easy first half of the season or first you know bit of the season with their fixtures. Um, I think after this it gets tough for them, so I think I'll have to bite the bullet. But I do think they'll beat Palace. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I want to see more from Watkins. To be honest, I, I he's a bit unlucky to have that goal disallowed. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if he scored since he scored against Arsenal. I could be wrong. I don't think he has. But uh, it's just, no. he's just gone through a dip. Fulham, he's had a couple of goals disallowed, hasn't he? Sort yeah, of a bit, bit harsh. Bit it's not really going his way at the moment. Uh, do you know Morata's had like nine goals given off for being offside? I saw he had the the two against Barca in the Champions League. Yeah, it's, it's mad. Just stay on side. Was it two? Or was it three? I can't even I think remember. It was a hat- I think it was a hat-trick of offside It might goals. well have been three. It might have been. Um, yeah. uh, anyway, Fulham v Southampton. Um, ooh. Probably Southampton. I mean, yeah. they lost last time out against Man City. By all accounts, were pretty good. I didn't see the game. I, um, think, I think Fulham might win this. They're at home. And I think Fulham... I think what separates Southampton... A bit unlucky against Newcastle. Fulham yeah. with that ridiculous penalty and red card. And sort of... They did, to be honest with you, they, it's, you know... They showed quite good resilience to get a draw out of it in the end. You'd think Newcastle would would go on and take three points, but they look pretty comfortable, I have to say. And I just think something like this is where Southampton trip up. I could just it just feels like a, a way for them. It just feels like a trip. Might up. do, might do. It's a tester though. It's a, it is, yes. it, because that is a game on paper they should win. They should be looking to win that where they are in the table. I don't know what their aspirations for the season are. Maybe Europa League football. Um, is a realistic target for them if you're looking at sort of that seventh position is up for grabs and if they want to get that they need to win games like this yeah, um and I, I actually think they will but i i like you know i wouldn't be surprised if they didn't no uh arsenal v chelsea cool. right so i'm gonna i'm gonna predict to chelsea win because i look i don't see any reason not to i'm not gonna be massively shocked if we pull a performance out because these players are a lot better than 15th right they're not great, but they can easily, you know, they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final. They could easily show up. There's no indication they're going to, so I'm going to predict a Chelsea win. You can make your prediction, and then I've got a question for you here. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw. Nil-nil. Mm. I put Leno in my uh, fantasy. How did you? That's brave. So my question to you is, if we're saying Mikel Arteta gets till the end of the season... How can he salvage anything out of the season? What 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 could he do on or off the pitch to get anything good out of this season, which at this point in time looks like a write off domestically? Um, I think he needs a bit of luck. I honestly think I think you okay, we the numbers say you're better than fifteenth, they say you should be tenth mm. or eleventh. Um I think he needs a united dressing room. Like I think every single day all I hear is rumours about how this player wants out. I saw Urzel mm. tweeting tonight about how... That, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He, he, he did a Q&A. And it was very pointed. He made a point about 
how good it was under Arsene Wenger and how everyone was happy. And I just thought, yeah, that's a very pointed remark there towards it. Um, but what I mean is, like, what does he need to achieve? What does he have to do in particular, do you think, to salvage anything good out of this season, you know, in terms of getting uh, on board with the fans and, you know, uh, getting the approval from, from the hierarchy? What, so what does he need to do, do you I think? I would sack off the fans because I think they'll just follow whatever you do. And they're mm. not, and they're not in the stadium anyway, so it's not like they're causing. Any yeah, noise. yeah. Which I think makes this a bit easier for him at the moment. If I'm, if they were there every week, the results weren't nearly as bad as this under Emery last season. The performances were. Let's make one yeah, thing very, very shit. clear. Let's let's dispel a myth here, right? I, I don't want to see. I do not want to see points comparisons between this point of the season last year and this point of the season now, because I'm telling you now, the performances in a different way were just as bad last season. We were really lucky in certain games, you know, Watford away, Southampton you, at home, compare, Bournemouth at home, compare, Palace at home. Compare shots yeah, against total shots. Exactly, against. and that's what I was going to say. We were conceding 25, 30 shots in all of those games. We were losing all of them on XG. And all of those games I've just mentioned, we got draws out of. We should have never got anything out of those games and it would have looked completely different. Um, I also think before you, you know, carry on, it really annoys me when I'm saying, oh, what, uh, people are saying, why did we sack Emery? Why did we sack Wenger? You know, maybe they weren't the problem. You know, you can criticise the manager at the moment and think he's doing a poor job uh, without also saying, yeah, we should have kept the previous guys. The two things, you know, aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. They aren't mutually exclusive. So you can, you can be in a position where you think the guy at the moment needs to be doing better, but you also think the guys before him had to go at their various different points. Um, but sorry, I've cut across you there, aren't you? That? Well, no, so, I, I think I think it's uh, interesting you say. So my difference would be there is that Wenger did so much of the football club. You could say... Wenger he, earned the right to carry on. You could argue Emery didn't. They had no loyalties towards Emery. Uh, but I'd also say if you kept Arsene, you don't get Edu, you don't get uh, Keir Drab, you, you don't get, get to be the super agents. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. That's the one difference, I think. Mm. But, but then Arsene Wenger was quite old. And I actually think... I think a manager that age, you want to move it on. Got so. stale. It got It honestly had. And we were getting worse under Wenger. You know, his last two seasons, we finished fifth and sixth. Yeah. And also, it's worth mentioning, this dreadful away record that we've had in the last few seasons came in in his last season. It didn't come in under Emery. Wenger's last season, we won four games away from home all season. And that is a trend that has carried on. So it's not just exclusive to Unai Emery and Mikel Arteta. That started under Wenger with some of the players he'd got in and the attitude he allowed to creep into the dressing room. On the question I asked you before we move on, I think the two things I'd be looking at, one is that he needs to blood more youth into the team. The likes of Smith Rowe, the likes of Balogun, if they can get him to agree a contract extension. Look, it doesn't sound particularly likely at the moment, but you know, you're much more likely to get it out of him if you give him significant game time. If you've not had him say to you that he's definitely not going to sign, I think you play him a lot more. If he has said that, don't give him any game time because there's no point. What's yeah, the no, point? You know, um, if he's but, going on a free. But I wouldn't be that worried because you had the same problem with Saka last year, didn't you? We did. And, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's difficult to, to, to say whether he definitely will. I think youngsters need to be blooded into the team. The second thing is, obviously, if he wins the Europa League. Now, I dread to think what... And I don't think it's likely, by the way. I think there are better teams than us in it, obviously. But, and I also dread to think what Champions League teams will do to us if we're in there next season with the players you've got <laughs> at the moment. It would allow the rebuilding job to be a lot easier, though. And what I would say is, between now and when the Europa League starts, 
we've only really got two hard games, two two games on paper against teams in the top six, Man United and Chelsea, and they're both at home. We've got some winnable games coming up in Brighton away, West Brom away, Newcastle at home, after, Palace at home. After that um, Brighton game, you've got a cracker of a run. We have, and that's what I was going to say. This is this is the crunch point of the season for him, where he needs to get some wins and get some confidence back into this team. I feel like this team, as soon as it gets a few bad results, it really snowballs, and we just can't stop losing. Maybe one win turns it around. I don't know. You know, I'm not that hopeful, but he couldn't ask for better run of fixtures leading into the Europa League to build yeah. some confidence back up for it. So. For me, for him, for the rest of the season, if he's going to be there for that long, you know, you never, you never know. He might be gone by the start of the next year. <laughs> but yeah, I would say those are the two things. You've got to blood more youth and you've got to really, really put all your eggs in the Europa League basket. If you've got enough points by that point in the league, that's the other thing. We, we're relegation at the moment. We need to win as many games as we can before then so we can prioritise the Europa League, I think. Uh, I'd also, when you say blood the youth, I'd actually like to see, I just think your youth is a lot better than a lot of the people are starting right now. And I just think they're in a better mindset. They're no worse. When I watch them play, Smith-Rowe does things, gets into areas, makes runs off the ball, for example, that I don't see anyone else doing. No one else operates in those areas and does what he's doing. So why shouldn't he get game time? Yeah. I know there's a question over fitness, but they've eased him back in now. They've eased him back in. He, he looks fit and ready to play to me. So what I'd rather just see is just a bump in uh, underlying numbers. Yeah, George comparisons to that year under Klopp where they were where they, like bombed and they were like near the relegation zone. And then at the end of the year, the numbers caught back up and they were seventh. And I just think to see that with Brighton. I just see them at a point, there'll be a point where Welbeck and, and uh, Malpai just can't start scoring goals. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, their, just, their results should improve. They should. Like, and I, I, you I, know, I, statistically. I just think Arsenal fans need to fucking calm down. Like, Arteta is a fine coach. I know I said it, I, I would have moved him on, but that's for different reasons. What's what, what's being discussed right now? Mm. Don't be Arteta in or Arteta out. Be I want to see the performances improve. Don't. It's not. It's not Brexit. It's not yes or yeah. no. It's not in or no, out. It's, it's not. It's not. If you genuinely, uh, this is the other thing on Arteta, and, I, and this is with all football fans. Are ever. there any at the moment what you'd class as A tier managers that we could realistically get in tomorrow? I guess not. I guess like not. you know, someone like Allegri is he really a tier? I don't put him up there with the likes of you know Nagelsmann, the likes of Guardiola, Klopp. You, you can throw Rogers in there if you want. I, I'd even throw someone like Hasenhurst. I rate him really highly. I rate these guys higher than I do someone like Allegri, who has managed good teams in Italy. I think he's a bit of a discipline merchant from what um, I've read and seen of him. And I'm not convinced he's, uh, you know, you can throw Pochettino into that A-tier uh, yeah. uh, list of coaches if you want. He's not going to take the Arsenal job. So, you know, if they sack Arteta, it's going to be an interim job for whoever comes in. And why not just sack it? If you're not going to get relegated, bring that guy in in the summer so we can start yeah. signing his players. It's a much smoother process because yeah. we did it last year. It's fucking hard to get a manager in this time of year. Exactly. It's not a good time to do it. I remember you being linked with you know, lots of random... But that's why they had to give it to 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 Freddie, because yeah. they had to do this recruitment process, which it wasn't fucking easy. And we had more football men at the club then than we do now. Now it's just fucking Edu and, and Vinay, and Edu's going to have to go if Arteta goes. And, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just... The, the fans don't... I don't think the fans that are 
speak the loudest about it. They don't understand the complexity of what will go on if we sack him. I, yeah. I think they think it's just as simple as, oh, we sack him blood and we'll get Pochettino in tomorrow. I mean, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and if you don't get Poch, then what? Exactly. Yeah, it's... Um... It's an interim job. If I, I, I would be inclined to say if he goes, it's an interim job to the end of the season. Who's going to do the interim? Yeah, uh, but I still think I'll get a draw Chelsea because I think Chelsea are also really poor. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Very um... kind of you. No, it's more good Lampard shit. The fullbacks are out as well, Chelsea, to be fair. I think, okay. If there's any encouragement for Arsenal, yeah. More more FBL players in the fucking bin. Um, mm. Anyway, Man City v Newcastle. I've, I've captained De Bruyne this week because I think this could get really ugly for Newcastle, who were dreadful against well, last Brentford. Time we said, last time they we were said dreadful that. against Fulham. Oh. Steve Bruce just cannot coach a team to attack. Have you seen... So they're, they're chasing a game. Uh, mate, it's dreadful. They're chasing a game against Brentford and he puts four strikers <laughs> on and no one to get the ball into them. It's like... That wasn't, that wasn't, like, that wasn't Brentford's starting team as well. No, it was uh, seven players missing, apparently. Yeah. And Newcastle created zero big chances <laughs> in the game. Um, it's appalling metrics. And But then Newcastle have a really good record against Man City. Um, a ridiculously good... I, they just... They have a knack of beating them. Even under Bruce. I just have a feeling that they could get absolutely hammered. Oh, yeah. And uh, this could be clipped up and replayed to me in you know, years said, to come. But We said the same thing about West Brom. We said the same thing about West Brom. But it is... We did. It, we but did, it, but I think... Yeah, that's true. But then if I say, but if I don't say Man City win and it is a Man City win, I could not forgive myself. So I'm going to say. How Man can City I win. captain De Bruyne and not think Man City are going to win this game? Eight nil. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with it. Uh, like, it's going to be more of a. Do you remember that game when um, Aguero scored five? I think it was against them, and they beat them like six one or yeah. something. It would have been when McLaren was there. And I remember I had Aguero as captain. I'm thinking, I'm hoping that it's going to be a similar result this time. KDB, yeah. Um, Sheffield United v Everton. Sheffield United, please. Get... Let me tell you something now about Everton. And this can't, I don't want this to be perceived as sour grapes because they've had a really good result, a really good week of results there. They've beaten Chelsea, Leicester and Arsenal in a week. Cracker. With their squad, which is, you know, it's a bit thin, no, I think, no, outside of you know, their first team, which it works. Sometimes it doesn't work at other times in certain games, but... I don't think they have loads of depth there. They ended up playing four centre-backs. Everton were crap against us. They were really, really poor, which made it more annoying that we lost the game. They were... Just, and their they, performances, they, 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 they just it was workmanlike. Workmanlike. Well. Work yeah, they were tonight. Yeah, they were fucking completely outplayed. Similar sort of thing, though. Four centre-backs. Yeah. Um, I didn't see the Leicester game, but, you know, they scored from a corner and a Schmeichel mistake. And they scored a penalty against Chelsea. They scored from a corner and an own goal against Arsenal. The performances aren't great at the moment. And so if, if Everton lost this game, I think a lot of people that haven't watched them would be really shocked. But I'm yeah. watching them and I'm thinking... I'm still going to say Everton win. <laughs> DCL turns up against... I'm going to say draw. Four. Um, yeah, no, DCL will turn up. He's that good. He's that good. And Sheffield United look clueless. Uh, Leeds v Burnley. <laughs> yeah, this is the test of two stars, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Like earlier, yeah. Burnley looked quite good against Wolves. They looked. I thought. Yeah, Burnley they did. Good. They yeah. did. And this is very Burnley to be on the relegation zone in, you know, December and just end up tenth by April. And you're just like, how did that happen? So, 
And because Leeds keep conceding goals, and I think um, they'll struggle to create against that Burnley team, and I think Nick Pope yeah. might even have a day out, I'm going to give her a Burnley win. Ooh. Uh, draw. There's a lot of draws. Yeah, draw. <laughs> uh, West Ham v Brighton. West Ham were outplayed by Chelsea. It was really disappointing. Just, yeah, just I wasn't stu- overly surprised just, though. Just for our sake, just to keep that stupid record of Chelsea against the top half keep going. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, that's true. Chelsea are just corner merchants, though, aren't they? And Brighton. Uh, John Linson got sent off for a stupid tackle and then they created nothing. Well, they created loads. Uh, they just couldn't score. And then mm. they scored and I thought, Brighton are so unlucky. And then finally, Robert chipped in. But I think West Ham will win because they're at home and I've got Bowen in my team. So have I. West Ham win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liverpool beat West Brom. Liverpool win. Big Sam masterclass, anyone? No. I hope not, because I've got three Liverpool players in my team. But you, oh, if anyone's going to go there and fucking pull something out of the bag, it's him, isn't it? When no one would expect I don't know. They, they look really bad against... They, just played... they did. I mean, they played a lot of the game with 10 men, but you're right, even before the red card, they look absolutely dreadful. Um, I you just so... never know in football. I do think Liverpool will win, but I'm just uh, asterisking this with... Big Sam could pull it out of the back. I just look at those West Brom squad and just go, Mateus Pereira is a player. Conor Gallagher is like a bit of a player. Why have you brought Sam Allardyce in? I think a, a, an Eddie Howe could have kept him up. He, because he has a track record of wow. avoiding relegation. I think financially they're looking at it and thinking, we need to avoid relegation here. We need to stay in the division. Yeah. And I don't think they were, they were looking at Billich and it was a really cutthroat decision. You know, Time will tell whether they made the right call. But they just needed a more surefire option to, to see them see them through this. Whether yeah. they, it'll work for them, you know, we'll see at the end of the season. And finally, Wolves be Wolvesley Spurs. Spurs, another tough game for Tottenham. We it know is. what Wolves are going to do. I wish Wolves would start playing fucking Traore. I mean, honestly, what I, I, I've seen him play like once this season has against he got, us. Has he got contract really good. I think he might have. Contract yeah, that that is what it is apparently. Um, um, but. Just Spurs. play the guy. Like he gives them a different dimension. They they haven't got Raúl. They they then beggars can't be choosers. They're struggling, cre- you know, to to create lots of chances and score lots of goals this season. Even though I think um, Neto and Pedence are good players, yeah. but play your like no one wants to play against Adama Traore. He will give Tottenham a lot more to think about than if they don't play him. So. If I'm Nuno, I'm thinking, right, we're going to sit deep. We're not going to overcommit. We're going to let Tottenham have the ball. And then we're going to counterattack with Pedence, Traore, Neto. And if they do that, I think they get a result. I think it'll be a draw. I think Spurs played midweek and they played a lot of the big players. Yeah, um, they did. God, Kane could have so many minutes in his legs. And we expect him to they play. They do it every legs. season. To him. Every season oh. he gets an injury because they overplay him to the most ridiculous extent because they just never have able backup. Uh, and yeah, from the last period, for the last week's results, this is quite it's quite useful for future me if I do it now. Um, uh, I'm on 26, Harry was on 29, and the guest won 22. So you know, still very tight. Surprise! Top of the tight. table, yeah. get in there. Uh, and so, for our final bit, again, not much news, but I asked the question: What are your three favourite Christmas movies? Christmas movies. Yeah. Okay. Question for you. Die Hard is Christmas Yes, it is. Film. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, it is. well, that's in there. <laughs> yes, it's that's got to be in there. Here's one for that's you. That's got to be in there. Here's even Roger. It's a Christmas film, isn't it? Come on. Star Wars. 
because <laughs> now this is rogue because that it always gets played on the way up to Christmas. Like it's always from like December the first. Mate, like, anything you watch at Christmas, as far as I'm concerned, is a Christmas film. Cool. Star Wars, Die Hard, The Snowman. <laughs> Are we gonna pick any Christmas films? The Snowman. That's Christmas. The Snowman. I haven't the, seen that. The cartoon. Oh, it's so good. Oh have my god. Yeah, you would have. It's the one with the, the snowman melts at the end. Spoilers. Oh. It's a. It's so good. It's so good. I used to watch it all the time as a kid. That can't be a film. You're pulling it's my blonde. The kid. The kid. It's got David Berry in it. Must be joking. I'm not. It's it's an actual movie. All right. What what? Uh, what's your favourite Christmas song then? Uh. Ooh. Feed the world. Feed the what? Feed the. Let them know it's Christmas That's... time. What you mean, Band Aid? Yeah. Th- Is that the lyrics? Yeah. Is it Feed the World? Hold on a minute. Yeah, I swear it is. I don't think it is. It, so the song is called Do Do They Know It's Christmas? I swear. Uh, yeah, it is. They, they feed yeah, it is, it's, you're right. No, you're yeah. right. It's free. I always thought it was freedom. That's how that's how tone deaf I am in music. I always thought it was freedom. Whoa, that's what they're talking about Africa then. My goodness. Says what, what I know about Christmas. I guess like the Robert Mugabe movement in Zimbabwe, they're like freedom. Fucking hell. Hey, that shows how fucking <laughs> used to time when it comes to songs. Good God. What about um, you? I. Ooh. What's my favourite Christmas song? I do like a bit of Driving Home for Christmas. Do you? I do like, yeah, it just it lifts the spirits, you know? It's just quite soothing. What's, what's your thoughts on uh, Fairy Tale in New York? I, I, I like it, but I, I thought it. it would just be too obvious a choice. No, uh, yeah, that's second for me. But then there's yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely top three. The, the, do They Know It's Christmas is probably in the top three for me as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some crackers in there. Unfortunately, Christmas, you know, this this year is obviously... It's been a bit of a weird... doesn't really feel like Christmas, does it? No. But we'll next... give this to you on Boxing Day. Uh, not Boxing Day. We'll you can get... have it on Boxing Day if you want, but get this to you on on uh, Christmas Eve, Eve, guys. You let them know it's Christmas time. We'll get it We'll get it right. Yeah, let them know. Like the song said, let them know it's Christmas time. Let them know it's Christmas time. So, uh, yes. And if you want to be on the podcast, because you've listened this far, you probably deserve it. You deserve to be in the podcast yeah, if you've got... Listening to uh, me, messages on Twitter. So absolutely, yeah. thank you for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas Merry to everyone Christmas. that's listening. Yes, from from just and, the little uh, football podcast. Best wishes to everyone. Stay safe. Yes, stay safe.